Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Treehouse, episode 11, Before Your Very Eyes, with Danny Baker and me, Louise Pepper. Uh, your, your eyebrows went right up into your hairline <laughs> then. playing the Christmas tune, but no, it's no. not, not, Listen, not. Christmas is over. It'd be absurd if we played the one with the sleigh bells in it. It's like you don't think I know what I'm doing over here. Oh. Uh, so, uh, yes, good morning, everybody. Um, here we go again with another uh, two hours of fun for old and young without the slightest hint of vulgarity. Everyone checks the, everyone's checking their phone. <laughs> is it two hours? It may be. Who knows? We meander. And, uh, hither and yon. And uh, uh, we've done a lot of research. If you've been stopped on any of the streets of Britain, mm-hmm. in villages, in towns, in cities, in churches, uh, on stations, with people with clipboards asking you about the show, thank you very much indeed for telling us what you enjoy the most. And uh, it seems to be that the preamble, before we get in there, when we, when we shine a torch on the highways and byways of things that may or may not be happening on this day, depending when you're listening to it. And I've got lots of things I wrote down, but just before I came out, I saw one that that's the one. That's the one. Because it's, it's John Wesley Hyatt today. Oh. He, he patented plastic. It, oh. it was called celluloid, which became a generic, but he made plastic. Now, we might say, well, thanks a lot. Actually, yeah. go in your tugboat into the ocean. Thank you, John Wesley Hyatt. <laughs> uh, but uh, as usual, there was um, uh, Alexander Parks in England invented Parkasine at the same time, and nobody was interested in his Parkasine. Oh. Uh, no, I know, but it's exactly the same thing, and they went to court, and the no. other fellow won. Yeah, there's all of this. Uh, F, let's see, I'm trying to get to the, uh, the, the res, if you, yeah, please, if you were. I'm trying to get to the res. Um, and this John Wesley Hyatt also um, uh, was into billiard balls. He made the first billiard balls that didn't need ivory. Oh, that's I hadn't good, thought about that. That's a good then, thing. Yeah, okay, in 1860, yeah, yeah. people said, you can't do this to elephants. They're still saying it. And he made billiard balls, which I'm not sure what they are made out of. Concrete? I think they're made out of concrete. Are, are they different to a pool ball or a snooker ball? Is it it's a billiard ball... Oh, now you've got me... I don't know. Anyway, he, he was way ahead with that. I do know that bays, the bays you mm. play on, is only ever used for billiard balls, snooker... Uh, uh, billiard tables, snooker tables, and the backs of nightclub doors have bays on them. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah. And you know what? Um, bays. If you've never heard the show before, it does pick up. Uh, uh, bays can only be made in Shrewsbury. Or, oh, or, is it or, one of those protected? Yep. Or it's not bays. Like Stilton or something. Or it's not bays. Oh, it that's is. brilliant. I like that. Okay. Uh, so the, the, anyway, he made those. He made false teeth again in in the line. Are they of, all made out the same thing? <laughs> pretty much. But once he looked around. Oh, what else? And said, "What else?" And the other thing, piano keys. Well, of course. 
Yeah. Now they're all the same colour. Oh, there they are, <laughs> ebony and ivory, as Paul McCartney once told us. But uh, he did the, <laughs> the false teeth he made. Um, uh, up until then, they were made of different things, as we know. George Washington had some wooden ones, mm. uh, but they could be made of rubber as well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rubber. <laughs> <laughs> Rubber false teeth. You see, we think we live in uh, in the golden era of comedy. We don't. Back in the 19th century, when you brought, brought granddad some rubber false teeth, way ahead. Give him some crackling. Way ahead, yeah, exactly. <laughs> way ahead. Anyway, I didn't want to do it. The other thing, Benedict Arnold, uh, whose name is a byword for being a traitor, you know, this, don't you? No. Yeah, the American War so of I'm Independence. I'm off. Uh, the American War of Independence, uh, Benedict Arnold uh, was the American on the side of the what became the USA, right. and then swapped sides to be ours, oh. and, and yeah, and became a general for the British. And you can't say Benedict Arnold in America without spitting on the ground. No. And but anyway, he's he's a, he's a, he's buried in Battersea. Right. Oh. He survived a duel, but he's buried in Battersea in London. But he was a, a famous duelist. He liked to, he liked to duel. Oh, okay. Uh, not with, one where you could kill each other. With swords or pistols. I think pistols. Oh, yeah, he okay. went to um, uh, and uh, but and I promise we'll get going in a second. Dueling was a sport at the 1908 Olympics. Oh wait, dueling in 19, which to us seems like like 10 years ago. Dueling, <laughs> uh, there's all of that. It, you know, it's um. Uh, <laughs> Coincidentally, Russ Colombo, who people have forgotten about in a huge way now, who was, uh, there were three big stars. That's like when people one day say, David Bowie, was he, who's that? I promise you, Russ Colombo, uh, Bing Crosby, Russ Colombo and Rudy Valley were the biggest thing in the world. But uh, Russ How Columbo, did Bing only, Bing was the only one who stuck, Well, Russ Colombo died um, after a duelling pistol went off and shot him in the eye. His friend, was, his friend was looking at it, yeah, and shot him in the eye. Uh, see, all of this ties up and you don't think it does. <laughs> but uh, uh, it was kept from his mother. His mother was quite frail and they said don't tell him Russ has died and for 10 years till she went ten, I thought you, she only had a couple of months for 10 years Peps until he went he'll be round soon they did they faked letters radio broadcasts all and that's sad that's the saddest thing I've ever heard but they did that for Russ oh, but that is not that. what I want to you know what I, what I wanted to get on to was something let's put the Steely Dan music on for the first time on this particular Getting broadcast down to a five or a play uh, 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 you tell me what we're doing on the show Peps and then I'll okay. bring you something to make your socks roll up and down your legs Today's subjects, number one, names and personalities you gave your dolls. Yeah. Number two, problems when paying. And number three, odd souvenirs you brought home. And in a wild innovation, at the end of the programme, we're going to throw forward to the next one. And Pep's yes. to tell you what we already start for uh, the Saturday show. We're making progress. So I was looking in, um, you know, around the, say, the, the, the darker corners of things that have happened mm. uh, today, which I think is the 14th, but you'll hear this on the 15th. Yes. Of January, if you're listening, in 2029. Um, and Happy Days started, right, today in 1974, the series Happy Days. Yeah. Sunday, Monday, Happy Days. Uh, I was a massive fan of the film American Graffiti, and mm -hmm. I thought Happy Days was the TV watering... <laughs> no, really, because they're very similar. Both period, both feature uh, I, yeah. Richie Cunningham. He's in yeah, both. Yeah, OK, right, yeah, no, yeah. The other way around. Uh, uh, it actually was uh, when they uh, directed Star Wars, George Lucas, mm. of course. George Lucas saw that episode and thought, OK, that fits in with something I've got. Ah. So it started that way round. But it, more importantly, it gave the world the Chuck Cunningham syndrome. The Chuck Cunningham syndrome. Was Chuck, was Chuck the dad? Nope. Tom Bosley as dad. Um... Chuck Cunningham was in the first two series as the elder brother of Richie and Joni. 
Really? Yes, he was. And then in one episode, he went upstairs to get something and never came <laughs> down again. He was never mentioned again. In later episodes, he would say, you know, I'm really proud of my two kids. Because he wasn't doing well. And uh, the, the, the producers thought that Fonz character seems to be popular. Oh. And they brought up Fonz's character and thought, mm, now we don't need his rebellious older brother. And in any, the Chuck Cunningham syndrome, perhaps, is any sitcom, film or drama where a character just disappears. <laughs> and if you look at online, there is Chuck Cunningham syndrome. He went upstairs to get something and never <laughs> came down. Now, anyone who can uh, give us any information about anyone like that, but I love the idea. And, uh, of course, it gave Mork and Mindy. Uh, Mork mm. and Mindy and... And uh, Jump the Shark is, is a happy same, day. Isn't same um, series as Mork and Mindy. It was when they were desperate and the ideas were mm. just getting silly. And so they... One with an alien, one where he jumps the shark. <laughs> but they were close together, those episodes. Shows you how, oh, really? how fate can do it. And an actor called John Biner was cast as the alien. But the oh. script was weak and it was fractious rehearsing it and he quit. Now, John Biner, of course, you remember from such films as Hasty But Tasty, The Great Smoky Roadblock, Munchie Strikes Back, Wishmaster and Stroker Ace. He went on to have a career. But he was he too dignified out. to do that. He, he walked out and in an emergency meeting, this is not apocryphal, in an emergency meeting, they said, uh, we're going to scrap this episode. And they said, no, the, the um, I'll tell you who's good, the improv guy. And they brought in Robin Williams. No way. Yes, that's absolutely true. And Robin Williams brought everyone down during the... Everyone said, you've got to come and see this guy rehearsing. Threw the script out the window, did it in that episode of Happy Days, and within four days, they gave him a contract for his own series. Now, that, you know, it may be too much information overloading the top of the show, but that's that's how things work in the show business. It was uh, John Biner, yeah, you know, in Hasty But Tasty. <laughs> yeah, he had his own thing going on. But uh, last thing on that, uh, Fonz in the early episodes wasn't a major character, and he used to wear a, a bay coloured Harrington jacket. No. Because they wouldn't let him wear a leather jacket. And that was thrown out. And uh, in... I must have watched like a very small number of, sort of middling series because yeah, I missed I, all I, of this. I, I remember it was being really weird. When it was on its form, it was on its form. Mm. It show friends he was, Clean Perry. He, he was. was one of the people that um, when Henry Winkler came on TFI Friday, yeah. that I was most... I had one of those real... I sat and watched you when I was a kid, yeah. and now you're standing in front. One and, of those, and whoa, most, him and Richard Dreyfuss, the most thoroughly decent, uh, oh, unassuming, wandered in on their own, just wandered into the building with their hands in their pockets. Hi, I'm uh, Richard Dreyfuss. I remember him saying that. And the, yes, you are. I know, and I just went on about American graffiti. Uh, last thing, and I promise the show starts. Richard Dreyfuss's first. I happen to know this first ever line in movies, in The Graduate. Did when, you uh, tell him you knew this? I, I might have done. <laughs> I might have done. And he, he was, I mean, he was flicking the end of a biro on and off, on and off, which I think psychiatrists say means irritation. Anyway, he, um, uh, in The Graduate, when uh, Benjamin, Dustin Hoffman, goes to Barclay to, to meet Catherine Ross, mm. and he turns up in her room, and the argument starts, or whatever it is, and the landlord knocks on the door. You want those agitators? I won't have agitators here. I want you gone. And, and he goes, look, here we are just having a conversation. And a young student looks over the landlord's uh, shoulder and says, shall I get the cops? I'll get the cops. Richard Dreyfus. No way. Yes, it is. Thank you very much. Amazing.
Is it? Uh, and then he's never seen again in a prime example of the Chuck Cunningham <laughs> syndrome. Uh, what you got over there, Peps? This is from Simon Price. This is names and personalities you gave your dolls. Uh, it says you probably weren't expecting any answers to this from boys involving male dolls, but here we go. I had a large collection of action figures, not just Action Man, but other dolls related to popular films and TV shows like Star Trek, Planet of the Apes and The Six Million Dollar Man. I made them play football matches against each other using a table tennis ball for <laughs> fictional teams, top one being the Gug City Slaggers in the fictional country of Oxenania. Oxenania? Hmm. I can't remember all of them, but here are a few examples. A blonde action man called Frank Thornton. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly oh, no, named after Captain Peacock. <laughs> he called him. This is up there with Sonny, who, um, when he was about four, my, my boy Sonny, about four, I took him to the Natural History Museum and we went to the shop afterwards and he bought a dinosaur, uh, you know, just a big plastic dinosaur. And he, he really liked it. I said, What are you going to call him, mate? He said, Rick Astley. <laughs> He called him Rick Astley was his dinosaur. So continue, Peps. Right, so we have blonde Frank Thornton. Being tall, he was the goalkeeper. A pirate, which turned into a glow-in-the-dark skeleton when the lights were off, was called Joe Ashby. He was the creative midfielder. A Robin, as in Batman, who was an Argentinian superstar striker called Juan Torres. And two identical Spocks, one obviously a gift from someone who didn't know I already owned one, who I decided were twins, called Brian and Kevin Kennedy. How lovely, though. Yes, you remember I was an only child. Oh, that's it. And you yourself, Pepsi, your, your favourite doll would have been? Oh, I, see, this is like when I had rabbits. Uh, I couldn't pick a name. Oh, come so on. So she was one week Kim, the next week Debbie. Oh, that's uh, it. Oh, that, 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 no, I, was, I wasn't very good. Uh, my, my only Teddy was called Ted. I, oh. When I had pet rabbits, I changed their names every few... I'm very indecisive, as you know. You know, menus... You can't change the names of rabbits me. once you've given them the they name. Bangers and Bash for a while. Yeah. Then they were Salt and Pepper, and I think they went on to something, and then the, then the fox got to them and they were no more. Oh, don't. Oh. 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 No, no, when when you sent that round, I thought, no, I, I can't give you anything on this, because they were sort of Barbie 1, Barbie 2. <laughs> Whatever game I was playing, they took the names for that game. I, I and can that kind of that. see that, but you... You realise you could oh, have, um, you could have. Uh, Wilbur will uh, change his name shortly. I'll give him something. Bonnie, um, uh, uh, I spared my kids nothing, absolutely nothing. Uh, 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 but her favourite toy for a period was half a French stick in a, a blanket, and it was a French stick. Didn't even have a face drawn on it, and she called it Maria, <laughs> and she used to walk around with it. I used to look across at, you know, the storeroom of Hamleys that I put in her room. <laughs> Half a French stick uh, <laughs> that went mouldier and mouldier until the baby started. It started keep about, replacing it. It started about a foot long, and by the end of it, it really was a couple of crumbs. Uh, I should put them googly eyes on it. Anyway, uh, thank you very much indeed. Lots of, but and then, then this is this is from the heart, which makes it sound even less so. But the emails we do get, and we do encourage you, of course, to email us at uh, the treehouse at somethingelse.com. No G in there. Uh, uh, in any subject, but particularly obviously if they spin off the ones we got, but it doesn't matter. And you can phone us always. Wish to telephone the show, please call the exchange on this number. You'd look to oh, 725 05686, my dear. Oh, Give us a call. Thank you very much indeed, Wisby. So, here we go. How about this? This is, um, uh, this is things you found on the pavement. Oh. Actually, I need the different music for this. I need this for this. This is from our correspondent, Andy. 
Well, spending the most enjoyable night tripping on Hunston. Oh, this is what we were going to start. This is where we ended the last show, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. And again, this the, the the key word here has, has hit me between the eyes. <laughs> and he just throws it in there, you know. Here we go. While spending a most enjoyable night tripping on Hunstanton Beach, my discarded shoes were swept away by the incoming tide. Oh. Later next morning, a shoeless, sleepless Joe was blithely wandering around Sunny Honey. I saw on the pavement a pair of gentlemen's brown brogue shoes. In my size. I put these shoes on there and then. They fitted perfectly. I wore them till they were thin on the sole. Oh. Now, whether or not that word tripping puts it, <laughs> makes us... The next morning, he was fully cured. No, I looked through my lawn yet. There are, <laughs> that's a flashback, if ever I heard it. But thank you very much indeed, my friend. Uh, and now this, uh, this is this is about uh, unusual um, mementos you've brought mm. back. Unusual mementos you've brought back. Here we go. Try this. This is from another Andy. There's always an Andy. I always to say that on the radio. Here we go. Two subjects in one, really, he says. Firstly, difficulty in paying, followed by odd souvenirs. Two subjects we did in last week, perhaps. Mm. Many years ago, I travelled to Mamaris in Turkey for a summer holiday. While at one of the markets, I spotted some of the unusual tat that you bring home and offered to pay with it with a local banknote. The value of the trinkets was significantly lower than the uh, banknote. However, the shop owner uh, claimed to have no change. A disagreement between us continued, and when I tried to return the items, he refused to return my banknote. In the end, he made me an offer of this large lump of white marble-type material. It had no specific shape. It was purely an off-cut of some description. Worried I was going to spend the rest of my holiday arguing with the local shop owner and half his family, I reluctantly accepted his offer and took the lump of stone. I have to say, it wasn't a light item. It probably took up half my baggage allowance for the return journey, but my next dilemma was what to do with it when I got back. Could have left it there, mate, just because it's free. <laughs> One doesn't have to cart it around continents. Anyway, suddenly it came to me. I'd forgotten to get my mother her usual souvenir, which is what I'd done whenever I returned from my travels. Also knowing she was very superstitious and a keen bingo player, I handed it over to her once I got around to her house, declaring it was a Turkish lucky charm that would bring her wealth and fortune. For years, she lugged this thing around in her handbag <laughs> to every bingo event she attended all over the Norfolk and Suffolk borders and never won anything other than a couple of quid. She's now approaching 90 and has had to give up the bingo, but recently, while at her house, I saw the lucky brick under which she now keeps her lottery tickets. Oh. She's not a millionaire, but she does still believe in the luck of the Turkish lucky charm, <laughs> quotation marks around it. That's a rotten thing to do, isn't it? That's <laughs> That's so dreadful. I thought we were going to find out what it actually was. Like a bit of old cuttlefish or something. Well, I, I don't think I'm alone in thinking that's a lump of cocaine. <laughs> I did. I just thought that's a lump of cocaine. And the shop owners give it, it You've seen Midnight Express. That's out that way, isn't it? <laughs> Fella said, hey, could you get this back to London for me? His mum is going to get some kind of raid going on. And a 90-year-old woman in the back of what they used to call a Black Mariah being carted away for being one of the great dealers of Norfolk. <laughs> Someone gives her a great big lump of white rock and without no inference, in Turkey, and says, yeah, take that home. I would scrape a little bit off and send it to her previous correspondent who's probably still tripping in Hunstanton. Something else, Peps, what you got for us? We've got Keith on the line. Hey, we've got someone on the, on the phone. How about that? Uh, hey, morning, Keith. 
Ahoy, ahoy, Dan. How oh, it's Casey, baby. Baby Casey. Casey, baby. Rocks up the ball. Ooh, some new lyrics there. Good morning, Keith. Uh, and why are you tugging our coats, as you have been for 30-odd years? Yes, yes. Thir- I think it's 32 years this year, man Thir- and boy. Thir- right. Yeah. So, um, problems with paying. Mm-hmm. I've got a great problems with paying story. I'll be the um, judge of that. You know that. <laughs> well, <laughs> Go on. Yes, you've said that many times to me as well. Go right. on. Okay. So I used to work in an independent cinema for a few years mm-hmm. after retiring from the huge financial corporate institution I worked for for a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, I used to work in the box office. So a lot of people used to buy the tickets online, but quite a few people used to like to come in, have a chat, and buy the tickets over the counter. Just want to stop you there. I've really spoke to anyone who worked in the actual cubicle. Um, did you ever turn anyone away for not being 18? Yes, unfortunately, yeah. because I would, I personally would have been done and fined five grand. That's, that's, that's all well, that's all well and good. Five that's grand? all well and good. But uh, they must have said, "Oh, come on, mate, did they have fake ID or anything?" Because I still smart from trying to get into a Clockwork Orange in 1971. The thing was, Keith, and I know we're going to continue with it. And here's this, Peps. What were you, 14? I'd seen it twice. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the Odeon West in Leicester Square. I'd seen it twice, and then I asked this girl to go with me. I said, "You're going to love it." And and we queued up, and I got to the front, and they said, "No, you're not. Uh, how old are you?" They said to her, and she said, "14." And I said, "Don't say that." And I said, "But I've seen it twice. When I couldn't care less, go away." So that's why I'm looking down my lawn yet at you, Keith. Um, <laughs> Sorry, mate. It, it still rankles. So there it is. You're working in a cinema, and so I work in a cinema. So a lady comes in and says, um, "Oh, have you got um, it? The recent remake of the Stephen King thriller?" Okay. Um, uh, and I went, "Yeah, we've got it on." And here's she went, oh, my um, my children in their early 20s want to come. We all want to see it as a family. They've been badgering me. Don't really want to go, but don't like horror, but I want to come. I said, OK, mm-hmm. that's fine. So we looked at the... Um, uh, it's all computerised now. I looked at the screen, chose a day, chose a seat, and it was something like 18 quid. Mm-hmm. So I said, OK, madam, um, how would you like to pay cash or card? Mm-hmm. So she went, oh, I'll pay by card. I said, OK, um, is your card contact this? Oh, yes. Okay, so I pointed to the machine, so I said, tap, tap your card. Now, she, I don't think, had used contact this before. Uh-huh. So she got her card out of her wallet, mm-hmm. she took a little step back, she held the card firmly in her right hand, mm-hmm. and with her left index finger, just tapped the top of the card. <laughs> <laughs> just tap the top of the card. So, so I gave a polite cough. I went, <laughs> and I went, it might actually help if you just tap it on the top of the card reader. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Face, face went slightly beetroot-ish. She went, oh, I'm ever so sorry. I had a good laugh. She said, oh, you won't ever tell anybody. I went, no. 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 a soul. And here um, you are, blurting it out to half the Western world, if our new latest figures are to be believed. Uh, uh, th- 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 but you, you let her in, of course. I mean, you didn't... Oh, of course. Oh, of oh, course. Oh, oh, of course, there's no problem at all. I think I even saved um, one of the posters for her as a kind of <laughs> apology because I used to do all the posters as well. So that was a oh, that was a great job. Now you, you the, were um, did you, you did just uh, while we're here and uh, when well, we've got nothing better to do. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I see. I for a while I don't know about you, Peps. I, I don't know anyone who's, who's ever worked in a booth. Uh, no. My, my mum did it in a. a uh, tobacconist kiosk at Tower Bridge for a little while. Uh, but anyone who's ever worked in a booth. But I think the golden age of doing what you did, Keith, of course it was the 1960s, early 70s, when tickets used to emerge in a strip from a little slit in the uh, in the desk in front of them. They'd go ka-dum, ka-dum, ka-dum. And out would come these look like raffle tickets, uh, little ri- and they'd be ripped in half as you walked in. Always wanted to work that machine. Always thought, they'd push a button, uh, uh, two, two adults and a kid, and go ka-dum, ka-dum, two, two red ones, ka-dum, and a green one. 
and they'd come out of a, a, a hole in the actual, uh, like a bus ticket thing. Much like I think being a librarian must be really boring now, because oh. you don't get the stamps and things like that to you know, don't put the date in the back of a book. And, where like, oh, uh, and the aggression. Thank you, by the way, Keith. I was just moving there. It's our great friend Keith, of course. But um, uh, And the aggression. That. <laughs> and shushing. You're not allowed to shush anyone in a library anymore, are you? Can't really? you? No. Well, I, 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 I Can't think, you? I think it's meant to be a bit more of a free oh. and easy space now. You know, you said shush. Well, and I promise we're going to move on with all the emails and everything else. Um, shushing, being shushed or shushing someone <laughs> is a subject we must do next time. I'll write that down. Uh, uh, Wilbur has just developed a sh- shushing. Shush, we'll, sh- oh, we'll do shushing. Four-year-old I've got a piece of music everyone. which is perfect for shushing, and this usually would be in a sitcom or a film when people have broke back into the stately home. You know, I left I left the opera tickets or whatever it is, you know, or the, <laughs> you, you, the, the, the granddad's will in a, a stately home. So they have to hide when it closes and then tiptoe across the floor, shushing each other. They don't mean no harm, but this would often happen in sitcoms and the music so me and you peps we've secreted ourselves in a stately home perhaps buckingham palace and all we've got to do is find your handbag that you left in the ladies room and we're making our way there there are guards walking around we're in the shadows and this music is perfect for it now you i'll shush you and you can shush me because we're both convinced the other one is making noise so it would always go like this here we go quiet It's perfect shushing music, ain't it? This... And now we're getting more and more onto it. Pick it up. Pick it up. Pick it up. That is... I don't know what, how it just fell into place there, but that is shushing music of a high order. And I'll brook no argument on that. That's your shushing music. Give us something over there, Peps. This is um, from... Uh, what? Waldo. Says Kevin at the top and then Waldo. This Waldo is funny. It's not being provided from Hun Stanton, is it? It's got a certain. You know, I was at Woodstock. They We're told in the us centre to... of London. That's been through 300 they, people. They before, told me. <laughs> <laughs> they told me to stay away from the brown acid. I think at last I've given in. Continue. <laughs> Uh, this is inadvertent trespassing. Uh-huh. A few years back, the Sonosphere Music Festival was on at Nebworth Park, which is local to us. We're quite familiar with the park because there are a lot of public footpaths where we often take our two Boseron dogs. Go on. Not a tough dog I've heard of. Barney and Sherpa. One route in particular leads to a pub on the other side of the park where we could often walk, have a couple of drinks and walk the dogs back. On this particular occasion, we were aware the festival was on but assumed the footpath would still be open and off we set through the church- churchyard and into the park. We wound up going through what was the middle of what was now a campsite. Pretty busy, we kept the dogs on their leads. Our dogs aren't phased by crowds or noise. Having been at Discover Dogs at Olympia for many years. (laughs) So we're used to the thongs of people and were pretty well behaved. Up through the campsite we went with security folks in high vis waving and nodding at us and waving us through. We got to a gated area and as we got near to the gate, it opened up and security personnel again waved us through. At this point, we're still heading in the right direction for the pub, but more security personnel were nodding past us and more gated areas were opening up, waving us through, petting the dogs as we passed. We had to veer off path because of a large fence blocking our way, but no matter, more folk in high-vis shirts directed us through back to another gated area. 
we then realised we were in the main arena of a festival with the main stage 50 yards away. Wondering how we'd managed to get into the main arena with no tickets and two dogs and how we were going to get back to the pub, five or six festival goers came up and said, can we say hello to the dogs or, or are they working? The penny dropped. Security staff and the punters all assumed we'd brought the drugs dogs. Oh! Somehow we looked like we were meant to be there, and there we were at the music festival. The drugs dogs. Oh, there's a good way to get in for nothing. Getting in for nothing, another good subject. They thought they were the sniffers. <laughs> you know the great uh, chat-up line uh, that uh, professional dogs say? No, I did it years ago. Dog chat-up lines. I know. <laughs> years. Uh, uh, and it, the, the best was uh, when a dog says to her, you know, in the bar, in a doggy bar, she says, hey, listen, baby, I'm trained to sniff out explosives and you are dynamite. <laughs> that is a great dog chat-up line. Uh, how about this? from uh, This is from our friend John. Uh, this is on the subject of uh, what you found on the pavement. When I was a teenager, we used to go to my Aunt Dora's each Sunday. We would have chips for Sunday dinner. One Sunday on the way, in the, uh, I found in the space of ten yards, in the space of ten yards, by the way, one Sunday, on the way to Nance to have chips for Sunday dinner, John found in the space of ten yards a ten-shilling note, oh, ten-shilling soggy, but worked. Further on, some pages from a magazine showing topless models. <laughs> this is boy's dream. I've never forgot that day. I'm 65. <laughs> Most young boys dream. Well, what's that, about a quid? Ten shillings? We're back on that again. No, how can ten shillings be a quid? By its very nature, it's half a quid. It's 50 50 pence. It's 50 pence. But a ten shilling note, big brown ten shilling note, that's what Nans gave you for your your postal orders and stuff. Uh, But he's 65. Ten shilling note and some nudie ladies. And every time in his life, even at uh, at 65, when he gets a quiet, reflective moment, he thinks back, I doubt I found ten bob and copy of Fiesta. That was that. I thought life was all out there for me. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much indeed, my friend. That's something else, Pets, what you got? This is Doll's Names from Sue. Oh, good. In the mid-1980s, my daughters, aged between six and nine, liked to play in hospitals with their dolls, with a list made of names and ailments. The one I remember was a doll clad in a dress made of a paper bag called Giant German Girl. Giant German Girl? Not just German Girl, Giant... Giant dolls are... Dressed in a paper bag. In a paper bag. How lovely. That's beautiful. Thank you very much indeed, my friend. Uh, (laughs) This is from Anne. Uh, This is... Restricted menus. Oh. Which nothing will beat the story from the last show where a fellow was. Sarajevo. Yeah, he was in Sarajevo, asked to see the menu, looked at it, it was very meagre. Did you see, um, I, think, oh. I think it's Julian, uh, who's one of, one of the listeners who tweeted to say that the name of that restaurant is the House of Spite. Yes, the House because, of Spite. Because that, the man made them move his whole house over the other That's side right, of the river. That's right, the House of Spite. Went in there, said, Can we see the menu? They saw it, ordered everything they ordered, they said no, and they said, What have you got? He said, Nothing. He said, well, what are we doing? They said, you asked to see the menu. Oh, which sounds like, like, sounds like a gag. Yes. But uh, anyway, Anne's in touch. I'd like to uh, link to limited menus, please. And your discussions about Cuba. That seems a long time ago. We're only on show 12. Uh, <laughs> but that seems a long time ago when we talked about Cuba. because the, the Fancy cars and food poisoning. Fancy cars and food poisoning. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, like that, one of these times we might do snappy slogans for <laughs> real tourism. China. Democracy. Never had it. Never will. We'll capture your hearts and steal your film. Anyway, uh, 
I visited Cuba twice. Never had food poisoning, possibly due to the lack of available food, but that's another story. At our five-star five luxury resort, food choices were limited, seemingly due to the distance we were from Havana. One evening, the menu was two choices. Mostly it would always be that, some type of pork or chicken in a fairly gruesome sauce. <laughs> One evening for dessert, we were offered three choices, jelly, ice cream or flan, which we established was a creme caramel type of thing. Yes, flan on the continent mm. is always um, yeah. uh, like creme caramel. It's always flan. Ooh, creme caramel. In, in Portugal, it's about nine inches thick, like a New York cheesecake. Yes. Flan. Flan. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. So, uh, <laughs> why is the word flan? making me go but anyway flan uh, tis was of course phantom flan yes uh, a flan used to be just a spongy low case with jelly and with... segments in it uh, fruit segments that was a flan yeah a flan case was custard uh, in it sometimes or not no no you're, you're edging towards trifle now and that, that's there's laws about that sort of thing no it's a large shallow sponge yeah you case. could buy the sponge oh it was lovely yeah and you could put Tinned fruit in it. Tinned or fruit, tinned and, yes, fruit. And, and orange gelatin. Yes. Oh, I could eat that now. Now, as well. all, now all I want, I do apologise, Anne. She's saying, well, can you get through my email? I'll be stopping and starting it. <laughs> but if we had a proper flan here now, you can't buy such those casings. I don't think you buy the casing. I'll have a look. Possibly because they had E numbers in that sent most people oh, to uh, on Stanton Beach. But uh, that's going to become the shorthand there isn't it, for anyone who's stoned. Uh, so uh, where were we? Yes. So she's got the uh, dessert menu. So jelly, now. ice cream, or flan. You've got the dessert menu. Jelly, ice cream, I'd be happy with any of flan. those. I opted for the ice cream, thinking perhaps chocolate would be a favourite. Uh, I'll have an ice cream. Uh, chocolate? Pause. No, only vanilla. Oh, well, then I'll have the flan. Off the waitress went with our order, and we both adopted for flan. Ten minutes later, then another ten minutes... Then another five, nothing. At this point, we were thinking, let's give it up. She must have hightailed back to Havana for our dessert. But no, she appeared empty-handed with only two words. No flan. <laughs> After 25 minutes, no flan. So ended our delicious meal. Cuba, a fascinating place, but do not go for the varied and interesting cuisine. <laughs> How about that from Anne? 25 minutes and no flan. No flan. That's what we should have called today's show. But we're... She'd probably run to the supermarket <laughs> Yes, exactly, about to four or five down. One more just quickly, perhaps this is from Steve. What famous people have said to me in my dreams. Uh, just before waking up one day, Stevie Nicks said to me, and that's how you make your first $2 million. <laughs> I could not remember anything else about the dream. Thank you very much. What are you saying, Peps? We've got David on the line. Oh, Dave. Hey, Dave. Hey, hi, hi, Sandy Man. How are you doing? Good as gold. Couldn't be better. Hat on the side of the head. And Miss Pepper Napoleon, of course. No, thank you. Miss, Miss Pepper Napoleon. Title. You're stuck with that now. Uh, and uh, thank <laughs> you very much for... Because uh, what happens is if you get in touch with us and say, look, I've got half an hour on Tuesday morning. It doesn't have to be half an hour. <laughs> freak, freak people out now. We'll call you back. You don't even pay for the call. We call you back and then here we are all on the air. <laughs> so, Dave, what you got for us? Yeah, I've got a uh, raffle prize that I don't think it was wanted or unwanted. But, okay, um, go on, my friend. It was a... Uh, right, OK, so I worked in uh, Vauxhall Bridge Road, Pimlico, uh, yeah. back, going back 10 years ago, and used a Italian sandwich bar called Gastronomia Italia, mm-hmm. and sell in there used to um, <laughs> on, raffle on, off... Hang on, just one second, Dave. Oh. Uh, see, uh, it's a beautiful juxtaposition there. Uh, I went to this place called Gastronomica Italia, and Phil, who worked in there... <laughs> 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 Gastronomica Italia, and there's Phil. Phil. Uh, so there it is, you're talking to Phil. 
<laughs> yep, so um, uh, Sal, Sal is a good the owner. He does uh, two raffles a year. Mm. So he does a five kilogram Easter egg mm. Easter, mm-hmm. and he raffles off a five kilogram panettone at yeah. Christmas. Oh. Now, I don't know if you've had panettone. I won't introduce a, a note of rancor at this point, but another time, <laughs> write it down, Peps. Mm. Discuss panettone. Okay. Uh, now, his name's <laughs> Sal or Phil? He did, isn't he? He's a troublemaker. He didn't like the fact I pointed it out. Uh, so there is Sal, who has these wonderful <laughs> so, yeah. sweetmeats on offer. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, I bought two raffle tickets, one for me, one for my then-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, and a week later, she dumped me. <gasps> oh, now, my friend. Obviously, I oh, tried my her friend. raffle ticket. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it was a little bit of a bad, bad time, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she won the Panettone. I got told on Christmas Eve she'd won the Panettone, and they phoned me for her to uh, go and collect her prize. Oh, now, now, now I, I, oh. Sense, I sense revenge coming. <laughs> yeah. Too, too right. I, I thought for a, a sort of a nanosecond whether to tell her, but mm. then I thought, no, nah, what the hell. No. Um, so I went down there, collected mm. my prize, mm-hmm. had this lovely five kilograms worth of Panettone Beautiful. on my lap, all the way on the tube, mm. on the train home with mm-hmm. uh, with people gasping stares at me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in jealousy, mm-hmm. but I don't what, know, it could what, be uh, some crazy is, or something. How big is a five um, kilo? And, how, um, how, I'll how, down over the how, Christmas spirit. Just one second. What's going on, Peps? How yeah. big is a five kilo Panettone? I, I sent a photo for you. You should have a photo oh, of it. Did you? See ah. it? Well, just tell us. I mean, is, is, is it big as a house? It, it's, it? it's big. It's big. It's, mm. it's like a, uh, uh, well, I don't know, like a, a box of beer or something like that. It's, oh. it's a big old oh, thing big old, okay. on your lap, right. on okay. the tube, uh-huh. on your way home. Mm-hmm. So, um, so anyway, I, I, I bunkered down for the Christmas New Year period at home mm-hmm. and um, didn't see anybody else. What I should have done, of course, is to be really sociable mm-hmm. and go around and pass it through family and friends and yeah. uh, give no, it away. No, no, no. Uh, no, you've got a broken heart. That's, <laughs> exactly. You're not eating Panatoli. You're not eating Panatoli. You're eating your soul. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and you devoured it all, did you? For two, for two weeks, that I ate nothing but panettone. Panettone is bread and jam. Panettone <laughs> soaked in wine, splashed with Nutella. Uh, everything. Uh, I, I just I just couldn't help but eat this panettone over the two week period. Good man. Um, and I literally didn't even touch it again for about ten years until last Christmas. <laughs> is that right? Well, uh, why would you? Because uh, as we know, it, 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 I'm not suggesting it's like a, uh, what's, the, what's in the Catholic Church when they, they give you the uh, bread and wine? Communion. The communion. That's what he's doing uh, with yeah. this, you know. Transubstantiation. Here, yeah, Annie, how about a you know, big fat cheeks chunk of it? Annie, you'd have loved this panettone too bad. <laughs> uh, and and have you found love again, Dave? I, I have. Good I have. I enjoyed the panettone for the first time last Christmas <laughs> and sat beside me with my... <laughs> it's this feel-good story. with my lovely wife. Bless you. Huh? Uh, no, bless you. My lovely a... wife and my, my little girl. Well, oh, oh this is... Uh, do, do, you mind if, do you mind if I jot this down? Because I might parlay this up into the, you know, rom-com feel-good movie of the year. It's <laughs> oh, beautiful. Right. It right. is, yeah. Uh, kind Hearts <laughs> and Panatoni, we're calling it. Thank you very <laughs> much indeed. Love, Thank you. Bless you, my friend. No and on the back of that, mm. while we're dealing with the foul rag and bone shop of the heart, uh, Marilyn... Mm. Marilyn gets in touch. Uh, that is, there's plenty in this. I dreamt that I was moving into the top floor apartment, yes, a penthouse, with Paul Young. Uh-huh. Just as we were about to enter for the first time, you know what dreams are like, I woke up. I tried to go back to sleep and reconnect with Paul, but it was over. I wasn't particularly a Paul Young fan. Well, that's the first bit of it. Re-returning a gift. This is what ties up with Dave's call. <laughs> 
My husband of ten years bought me a Russian wedding ring as a Christmas gift many years ago. Later, I found the receipt in his pocket. He'd bought two. One for a girlfriend. I went back to the store in Knightsbridge, no less, with a male neighbour, and on explaining the situation, they understood. They refunded me the money on mine. I'm now divorced. I know all of us. I know there's more there, isn't there? Take the male neighbour with her. Was he like as a head? I don't or? know. I don't know. To sift, I don't know what the male neighbour thing is. I'd, mm. See, there it is. This is where the writer turns out. We've got Dave's Panatoni story. You interweave it with this. For the male neighbour is Dave. <laughs> oh come on, come on, working title. The bidding starts at fifty G's for that story. Oh, we, we've got an advert. I do apologise. You know, we're trying to make some money out of this racket. Uh, we have an advert. Here we go. Meet the world's top disc stars every week in the world's top-selling music paper. Meet them all in New Musical Express. Meet the Beatles, Stones, Kinks, Cliff, Silla, Jerry, and many, many more. Get all the behind-the-scenes news and gossip, the latest picks, the up-to-the-minute charts. You'll find all you want to know about the pop music world every week in New Musical Express. How about that? Eh? That was a zippy. <laughs> the old firm coming back to say. Jerry, yeah. as in Jerry and the Pacemakers. Yes, of yeah, course. I was, well, I was just checking. I mean, Halley World. Cliff and Silla. I was. I was. <laughs> Give us something over there, Peps. What you got? This is um, oh, from what feels like months back. You didn't know who you were talking to. Mm-hmm. It's from Simon. My auntie Peggy and Uncle Ronnie emigrated to Canada in the 1950s from Swansea. Just so you can picture them, both were short, bustling characters, with Peggy keeping her very strong Welsh accent her entire life, but Ronnie going local immediately. When they came over to see us, he reminded me of Edwin, Edward G. Robinson. Anyway, <laughs> as they were new to the continent, they would take a driving holiday, sometimes all the way to Florida. But one year in the 1960s, they decided to go to New York City. Walking down the street, my aunt suddenly stopped. My uncle asked the matter and my aunt pointed across the street at a group of men coming out of a hotel. In a broad Welsh accent... Don't, shall I? No, no don't, because no. Phil over there comes running in with yeah. some kind of st- cease and desist. Yeah. yeah. I know him. I'm sure I know him. I went to school with him back in Swansea years ago. My uncle wasn't convinced, but she crossed the road. My uncle watched as she spent a few moments chatting to the man she recognised. She came back and said, no, I was mistaken. He was American. Very polite, just said, no, ma'am. Anyway, never mind. After a brief pause, my uncle said, you do know who that was, oh, don't you? Oh, here we go. That was Paul Newman. Paul Newman? <laughs> the group of men, including Mr Newman, were still staring across the road, nonplussed. Don't look back, just keep walking. Paul Newman? That's more top of the shop than I anticipated. Paul uh, Newman? Uh, been... Didn't you come to school with me in Swansea? Paul, as they say Paul Newman, the noise in your head is... Oh, that's very throaty, isn't it? That's very throaty. I haven't played that for a very long time. Turn that up in there. We're doing, listen to this again. Here we go. Oh, that's, that's, it's the sign-off. It's the sign-off there. I'm not sure... It's very much much throatier than it needed to be. That I'm so sorry. I know, I know, I know. Look at us both. We're a hundred <laughs> years old between us. Uh, I perhaps. Uh, <laughs> I've got at that. I have just got at that. I'm so it, ridiculous. No, no. <clears throat> here we go. All right. So here we go. Sorry about that. Um, once more. Where is it? Where's it gone? It's, it's on here somewhere. Oh no, they've taken it off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. Uh, this is our uh, prizes you didn't want from Ian. 
and a bar in Marblehead, Massachusetts. I want a manicure for my pet. <laughs> I, I don't know. I didn't want a pet manicure. Thank you very much, Ian. Uh, this is from Ryan. On the, oh, see, how long have we been on the air? A hundred years. No, just a few weeks. But uh, on the subject of microwaves, thank you very oh, much, my yes. friend. On the subject of microwaves, uh, when my wife and I first moved into our flat, we were given for free a very luxurious microwave oven with combination, you know. Mm. Oh, um, I've never been able to work those. That's exactly where he's going with this. Oh, it lasted a month before we found a very simple 30-second-at-a-time <laughs> one. Not to worry, we attempted to sell the old one as it was worth a good amount. One and a half years later, we were still attempting to sell it. <laughs> and it lives in the corner to this day, even no. listed for free, resulting in no-one willing to take it. Don't talk to me about microwave <laughs> ovens. Superb. What's there, Pep? This is from Joanne. I have two stories, going through the wrong door and disappointing raffle prize. <laughs> years ago, my brother was in a group called Gone to Pot. <laughs> Yeah, I know, first thought. Because you know what it really means. (laughs) You know what they're talking about there, don't you? The secret language of rock and roll, yeah. Invited me and my husband to a gig in a pub in Kingston. Not from the area, we eventually found the pub, which was a huge old building with many rooms and doors. Not sure which door to go through, we eventually found one from which we could hear music. I put my hand on the door and walked through and met with lots of cheering and clapping. What a friendly crowd, I thought, until I realised I'd walked into the strip club. And they thought I was the next act. No. Who's that from? This is Joanne. I made a hasty exit. Oh, where's my sleazy music when you need it? Pushing pushing open the wrong door, if you didn't hear that subject the other week, loads of people have ended up on stage. At the Albert Hall, it's particularly easy, if you don't mind me saying, in London. Uh, After several times, you you, you find yourself staring, you know, Eric Clapton's rear end. You only come out, you get an orange juice, let's say. Uh, It's very, very easy to push open the wrong door. What else, perhaps? And she said, every year we went to a lovely old village fete in the pretty village of, I think it's Bosom, where they have a grand raffle. My husband bought several tickets waiting for the draw to take place. Sailing lessons, meal and restaurants, food hampers, etc, etc, were all on offer. Towards the end, they called out my husband's ticket number. Off he went to get his prize. For him, a hairdryer, which, shall we say, he has no use for. (laughs) Well, I think we may may actually be done today. This has been an absolute pipper and a dandy, of course. Uh, Anything you've heard during the show, we're back on the weekend. Uh, I'll let you hear a bit of Wisby and then we'll continue. Of course, Louise Pepper has been over there co-hosting the show. Phil and Josh through the glass and everybody here at something else, but as always, chiefly yourselves. Always do, Wisby. And of course, we'd like to thank uh, Bethan, who, uh, oh, no, she was only on the first show. And then she went upstairs. <laughs> See what I've done there? Tied it all up nicely. See you at the weekend, everyone. Next time on The Treehouse, quack remedies, your oldest scar, being told off by a machine, being shushed or shushing someone. Email thetreehouse at somethingelse.com and do leave a phone number. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.